Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the Warriors reporter for the Mercury News. Wes came on after a chaotic trade deadline day in which the Warriors dealt D'Angelo Russell, Mari Spellman, and Jacob Evans III to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins, a lightly protected 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick. This blockbuster move will play a big factor in determining whether Golden State can return to contention. Wes, welcome back to the podcast. So good to have you back. Uh, Full disclosure, for our audience, it's been kind of a crazy day. We learned something. We we probably shouldn't be booking travel on a trade deadline day. So the news breaks. We're we're in our hotel in New York City. News breaks close to 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. We get our newsers out. Then we have to run to the airport. We get on planes. And then, of course, there's all these moving parts because the Warriors only had nine players. Um, and had to flush out their roster. So um, we're riding feverishly during our layover in Denver. Um, and, and here we are at uh, 12.43 a.m. recording a podcast. So we do it for you guys. We love you guys. We love what we do. Um, so just to recap, Wes, tell us what the trade was and, and just kind of your instant reaction. Well, first of all, Connor, I mean, we got to just put it out there that we do love our jobs very much, but it's very difficult to do it the way we do it sometimes <laughs> uh, in regards to a 10 and a half hour excursion from New York uh, back to the Bay Area. Solely for Southwest points. You know what? Shout out Southwest. Thank you. for, But uh, it would help if you guys had a direct flight from New York. <laughs> yeah. Back to the Bay. However, uh, you're right. I think we did learn something, but this is new, right? I mean, this is... Uh, it's my first year on the beat. It's your fourth year yeah. on the beat. But and you know, in all of your years, they haven't had a trade deadline like this. I mean, they really we, haven't had a trade deadline. They haven't had a, any sort of notable midseason moves since 2014, and that was just involving Steve Blake. So uh, this yeah, is Steve completely Blake. chaotic. Uh, in the past two weeks, the Warriors have traded six rotation players and. You know, we're almost two minutes in the podcast, and we have not actually named who was traded today. Uh, but you uh, you guys are all already know uh, the Warriors traded D'Angelo Russell, Jacob Evans, and Omari Spellman today to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 protected first-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick. Now, that, that first-round pick is very lightly protected. It's only top three protected, so a uh, pretty good asset there um when you saw this go down Wes what were your thoughts obviously there was so much speculation we had written so much in the past couple days about the possibility of a trade happening between these two teams involving D'Angelo so what did you think yeah you know obviously the the name that were involved were not shocking you know D'Angelo Russell if he was going to go if there was going to be a trade with Minnesota it was going to send D'Angelo Russell there and it was going to return Andrew Wiggins. It was the only thing that made sense. There was a lot of talks about, you know, just not among necessarily the Warriors and Timberwolves, not that I know of, but just people in general, you know, can you get Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang or something, some sort of machination like that, but it never, ever made sense. I mean, Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell are virtually the same exact contract. It's for the same amount of money, the same amount of years, and they last all through 2023. Uh, so it, it made the most sense for one mostly because the Warriors are hard-capped, and it just made that sort of machination of a trade easier. 
Now, the the interesting part of the trade to me when I saw it were the picks. You mentioned the lightly protected pick. It's top three protected. Now, a lot of people are wondering why the Warriors even got a protected pick in the first place. The reports out there were that they were trying to get an unprotected pick in 2020 or 2021. Um, my understanding is that they prefer the 2021 draft pick over the 2020 pick. It is further away, but it's for a better draft. This draft coming up, the Warriors could already have the number one pick in it, and it's considered a weak draft. So there's really no reason to have two picks in a draft that's not very deep in the first place. 2021 should be a better draft. So you get a pick better there, and you get to spread out your bites at the apple, so to speak. Uh, a top three protection is extremely light. That is almost unheard of these days. If you're a protected pick, it's usually lottery protected or top 10 protected. We've seen top eight protected. And it's rare that a first round pick is ever completely unprotected. That's, they basically, as soon as... It almost never happens. Ever since the Brooklyn Nets debacle of a trade with the Boston Celtics where they basically ruined, you know, a decade of their future. Yeah, the the unprotected picks are rarely ever um, moved anymore. So... This top three protected pick is about as unprotected as it gets these days, and it's a valuable asset. So you look at Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell, and is D'Angelo Russell a better player than Andrew Wiggins? I think undoubtedly. I don't, I don't think In that a that's vacuum a, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so to me, given that their contracts are the same, the difference in them then is like what. What is the on – on an open market, in a vacuum, what's the difference between D'Angelo Russell's value and Andrew Wiggins' value? And I think this trade showed what that is, and that is a very lightly protected first-round pick and a second-rounder, which will be pretty good if yeah. Minnesota is not good. I mean, that's going to be something in the Early second-rounders have value. The Warriors have shown that. You know, Draymond Green was taken early second round. Um, they, they got Alan Smiley, who could be a piece. They got – uh, they got Eric Paschal at 41. So, you know, you can get someone good there. But obviously this was really all about Andrew Wiggins and that first that lightly protected first-round pick. And then, you know, it's gotten kind of overlooked, but the Warriors did throw in Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman mainly just to get under the luxury tax threshold, which allows them to avoid the repeater tax, which is essentially an extra almost $40 million they would have to pay next season and that's significant you know they they obviously make a lot of money with the chase center and this is a this is a multi-billion dollar organization but um to be able to save almost 40 million dollars by doing something as relatively minor as getting rid of jacob evans and omari spellman guys who you know at least omari is helpful at times um and then obviously Evans maybe doesn't really even have a future in the NBA. Um, getting rid of them for for that kind of uh, that kind of reward seems like a like a good plus to this deal. Yeah, I mean when you're a front office, you usually approach these trade deadline kind of situations with objectives, right? To do lists, so to speak. Uh, and for the Warriors, their objectives I think were mainly there was mainly three objectives that they had: um, get under that luxury tax accumulate assets and find a better fit, you know, for this roster than D'Angelo Russell did. And we've heard over and over and over again, this team say, and Steve Kerr actually said this uh, pretty enlighteningly the other day where he said, look, we've got Steph Curry, we've got Klay Thompson, that's our backcourt and Draymond Green's our four. We just got to find the pieces that fit in between. And I know you and I privately talked about that a little bit later and say, that doesn't sound like he thinks D'Angelo Russell is a fit because D'Angelo Russell is not a small forward, right? And this team repeatedly, over and over and over, used to talk about Clay and Steph as their backcourt, specifically Clay as a shooting guard. I've always maintained that worst case scenario, you keep D'Angelo Russell, Clay could play small forward, which in today's NBA he absolutely can. 
But the Warriors never wanted to compromise on that, it didn't seem. So uh, you go into this trade deadline wanting to accomplish those three things, find a better roster fit than D'Angelo, get under that luxury tax and avoid that repeater tax that you mentioned, and get some draft pick compensation in the future. And they hit all three of those things by trading D'Angelo Russell. There were a lot of signs, relatively subtle signs, um, that the Warriors did not view D'Angelo Russell as a part of their future. I mean, I didn't ever have a member of the front office come out and straight up tell me he is 100% not a part of our future, but it was kind of how they talked about it, where you could kind of read between the lines and see, okay, you know, he he really was probably brought in largely for his potential trade value. Of course, they want to see how it works, but um, they know that he's not necessarily going to be a long fit, long-term fit. The big question to me was always, okay, do you do it now or do you wait until the summer? And Obviously, the PR response is, well, we want, to, we want to see him with Steph. Well, to me, the big reason was not so much seeing him with Steph, but just waiting out the market, seeing how the rosters evolve, see, see who needs a point guard. And, and you probably have more options come this summer. One question we got from a friend of ours today, Bram Hillsman, shout out Warriors Huddle podcast, uh, and I thought it was a good one, was why exactly did they do this now? Well, what is your answer to that? Look, I think we're, we're going to talk with Bob Myers pretty soon, and, and we're going to find out more about that. But to me... Are we, though? <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, you're, that's a really good point. I don't know. That's good. We'll ask him the question. I don't know if we'll get a straight answer because... Uh, look, we, we've heard the reports now from out of you know New York-based media that the Knicks were chasing D'Angelo Russell, too, and that their offer didn't come close to what Minnesota was offering. And there might have been a little bit of a freakout from this front office, right? I mean, we kept hearing, even going back to last summer, how this whole roster was built on the fly. Built on the fly. You keep hearing that. Yeah. Bob Myers was in New York when Kevin Durant made his decision, executed the Nothing's ever trade. truly built on the fly. These guys put so much time and energy into... Plan B, Plan C, Plan were, D, Plan E. They were hoping that if when Kevin Durant left that he would sign with Brooklyn and not New York because they thought that they could get a real asset back from Brooklyn and sign a trade that didn't exist from the Knicks because all the Knicks players sucked. Um, but uh, we know that the Knicks were after going after D'Angelo Russell and that they their offer didn't come close. And I think this front office just looked at that. They looked at the fact that we kind of just grabbed D'Angelo Russell when we could. Um, nothing really makes sense. We don't really think that this roster obviously is currently constructed, even with Steph and Clay healthy, is good enough to contend next season. Really, true, truly contend, right? Get back to the playoffs, sure, but could beat the Clippers and the Lakers? No way. Um, and so they probably figure, like, look, this offer we're getting from Minnesota right now is sort of the best thing that is out there, and it's not even very close. Even if we just wait until the summer, what's the point? It does sort of feel like, me to me, like this team just sort of rushed into... They're trying to rush into that next phase of what they're going to be. And look, if you can get if you can get Andrew Wiggins for 30-plus games and see what it looks like before you get into the summer, and if you thought that you were always going to trade D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins over the summer anyway, it helps to create more of that sample size with Andrew Wiggins versus uh, a sample size with D'Angelo Russell that you're not totally sold on already anyway. And if you could see Steph and Andrew Wiggins play a little bit together, obviously with Draymond Green as well, with some of these other depth pieces that they've found over the season, you enter the offseason a little bit more informed with how else you need to you know, round out the rest of this roster. And so, if it's inf- so I think there's an information gathering stage that also needs to be taken into consideration here. The unfortunate thing for the Warriors is that their down year, their quote-unquote gap year, happened to be during a year when 
this could be the worst draft in a while. This could be the worst draft since the Anthony Bennett draft. Um, I've also heard it compared to that 2000 draft. Uh, that was pretty bad. Um, or am I thinking 2001? Uh, there was the draft. Which two, 2000 or 2001 had a really bad one. It, it, it was one of those two. It's not, it's not as bad as the Anthony Bennett draft, but maybe it's closer to the Victor Oladipo draft. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, but it's not considered great. Even in that Oladipo draft, there were a couple guys that people thought could be potential franchise players. There's no one in this draft that anyone is confident will be a franchise player. Now, that being said, every draft tends to have at least one or two all-star caliber guys, so I'm sure they're out there. You just have to find them. But from a trade value standpoint, this draft has minimal to no trade value, which sounds crazy because usually you hear top five pick and you think, okay, that means something. Maybe you can package that for an all-star, especially if you have them with a legitimate rotation guy. But I was hearing that they were talking about pack looking ahead and packaging a potential top five pick with D'Angelo and it wasn't really moving the needle for him. Like it wasn't getting as good of offers as the average NBA fan might assume. And um, I think that this was honestly probably the best they were going to get. I mean, people are very down on Andrew Wiggins in a lot of ways, but this is a guy who has made significant strides this season He's only 24 years old. He's putting all-star caliber numbers. Now, I'm not saying he should be an all-star, but he's putting up all-star caliber numbers. He was a number one pick for a reason. He was a rookie of the year for a reason, and he's only 24 years old. And he's got length. He's got athleticism. He has a lot of tools. And I think the Warriors, and you and I both wrote about this tonight, but I think the Warriors are banking on him benefiting from a more stable environment because Minnesota – as you know, is an extremely dysfunctional environment. It's it's just north of, you know, Sacramento and New York in terms of the dysfunction. Uh, they've had, I believe they've had four coaches in, in Andrew Wiggins' four, five and a half years there, um, and they've only made one playoff series. And uh, he's kind of been scapegoated for a lot of the losing there. And I think they're hoping, the Warriors are hoping that he can come into this organization, feel good about himself, get some good coaching, be around quality vets, learn from Steph, learn from Clay, learn from Draymond, and get they'll get the best out of him. Yeah, I think scapegoated is a little strong of a word just because uh, he kind of was the problem there. I mean, he was the number one pick. He was in his last year at high school. I mean, you can be scapegoated and actually be the problem. The, the definition sure. of scapegoated is you're blamed for, for being the problem. You can still actually be the problem. Yeah, he was the problem. Like, yeah, was, I understand the connotation yeah, there, Carl but... Anthony Town, Carl Anthony Towns is also a big problem there, too. It just felt like they never really had an alpha, uh, except for that one year that they had Jimmy Butler, and, they, you know, hey, they went to the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of questions with Wiggins. You mentioned the instability there, four coaches over his career, none of which were very good. Right, I mean, it's one thing to have four coaches. It's the other thing. Like, I'm not even sold on uh, Ryan, Ryan Saunders. Really, I mean, he's like our age, sure. and he, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's in his early 30s, and you know, he he doesn't have that impressive of a resume other than being Flip Saunders' son. Yeah, especially, and I mean, player development is a really tough thing. It's very different, and he seems to me like he's an X's and O's guy. And player development is a very, very different thing, as I think a lot of people are learning this season. A lot of Warriors fans are learning this season with Steve Kerr, who's done a good job with that. They also that. have just so, such a mishmash roster right now. There's yeah. just so many guys who don't fit. And, you know, you're asking 
you're asking uh, Andrew Wiggins to play more of a playmaking role, and it's like with who though? Like who's going to even make shots? You know, and he he. That being said, his assist numbers went up this year. His passing numbers went up this year. It does feel like he's starting to figure things out. He, he's 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 nudged his own game in the right direction for sure, and that's encouraging if you're a Warriors fan. If you're the Warriors front office too, I mean. They were scouting him during the Timberwolves game in Sacramento. So obviously they see some things that they like from him. Um, to me, I, I don't know. Look, I, I understand the positional fit is better. I think he's a significantly worse player than D'Angelo Russell, although I, I don't know how much worse he is. I think defensively there's definitely a ceiling there that's higher than D'Angelo Russell. He walks into the building today as a better defender than D'Angelo Russell, which isn't saying a whole lot but in the first place. But... Um, this idea that he could be a reclamation project, this idea that the Warriors are somehow this organization that it, that finds these reclamation projects and makes the most out of them, yeah, I get that you've like got a couple of good years out of JaVale McGee. Like, cool, congrats. But Usually a reclamation done... project is used with guys who are like fringe rotation right. guys, not, to this level. not this former is, number one picks this who is are former... New. Yeah. Also, former rookie of the year. This is a this is an ultimate challenge here. This is more than reclamation project. This is more than just like, hey, our culture will fix this guy. This is more than Omari Spellman getting right in his second season. Right. This right. is turning a first overall pick, who was literally na- nicknamed Maple Jordan in high school, into somebody who more who more reflects what that number one overall pick ought to reflect. And look, he doesn't need to get that level. He doesn't need to be like that. He doesn't need to be the best player on a championship team. He's not going to ever be that, obviously. But they, this is this is new ground for the Warriors. This is not something that they've done before. This is not something that they did with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell walked into the facility in an all-star. Andrew Wiggins is not an all-star, and he's not very close to it. You mentioned the all-star numbers, and you're right. Their all-star numbers are also empty calories. And he hasn't, like, even in the Eastern Conference, he wouldn't have made an all-star team. So... Uh, this is this is a big this is a big bet the Warriors are making on their culture on their organizational fortitude and on what they think is Andrew Wiggins' ceiling. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think one thing you're really seeing this season, I mean, so much has happened this season, but they're not, they're really missing not only Kevin Durant, but they're obviously really missing Andre Iguodala. And Andre Iguodala is someone who's really tough to replace. And the, the reality is they don't, they don't need someone who's a high scoring point guard to dominate the ball and put up 25 points a game, which is basically what D'Angelo Russell's game is. And they're hoping that Andrew Wiggins can kind of recreate himself into being this guy who is a really good slasher, rim cutter, who can maybe put up 15, 16 points a night, play some solid defense, and take some pressure off of Clay and Steph and and take advantage of the spacing they provide. And now I've let, I've read a lot of things today comparing him comparing his future role with the Warriors to what Andre did and I understand that but obviously they don't expect him to be what Andre was 
defensively, but from a macro sense, I can understand the comparison. And I think fit-wise, it makes way more sense than what D'Lo was going to provide because D'Lo, fit-wise, provided just as many problems as he did uh, as he was helpful. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the Andre Iguodala comparison because it is problematic because Andre Iguodala was a genius defender and a genius ball handler too. Like what he was able to do passing-wise – um, offensively w- w- was tremendously helpful for the Warriors, and we just haven't seen that level of playmaking ability ever from Andrew Wiggins in his entire career. And defensively, he's not even like, close to that. I mean, you're hoping, best-case scenario, he's an above-average defender, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, where Andre Iguodala won a Finals MVP because he just was able to stay in front of LeBron James, right? Right. And so uh, I-, I think that... The- but as far as the, f- the-, the minutes that Andrew Wiggins is going to absorb, it's going to probably be those Andre Iguodala minutes. But he could also be maybe those Harrison Barnes minutes, too. There is, I think Andrew Wiggins could play some small ball four for you. I mean, he's six foot seven, he's got a seven foot wingspan, he's tremendously athletic. Uh, and in today's NBA, where small ball fours are getting smaller and smaller, I think he could fit in some of those lineups with Draymond Green at center. Now, the Timberwolves did play him a little bit of power forward sometimes. And the results were not encouraging. But that's also when he's playing next to Carl Anthony Towns, who is a notoriously bad defender. So if you replace Towns in those lineups with somebody like Draymond Green, uh, I think that he can offset some of those struggles. And, uh, and you obviously bracket Andrew Wiggins with guys like Clay Thompson, too, and other good defenders that they may bring in. Uh, I think that he could play a role like that. And, uh, and I think his athleticism in particular is going to be very welcomed to this Warriors team that is very, suddenly not very athletic. Right, I mean, you're not seeing Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry dunking a whole lot, right? I mean, it's it's almost a joke when Clay Thompson or Steph Curry dunks at this point. Uh, Draymond Green's athleticism is waning and rapidly. Uh, so having Wiggins come in at 24 years old, able to jump through the ceiling, is uh, going to be able to put some pressure on the rim. Uh, it's going to be able to put some pressure on the defense overall uh, as a backdoor cutter, as a guy who could just sort of make you pay really quick. And those are things that we didn't see from Andre Iguodala either, right? So there's going to be different... He might absorb some of those minutes, but he's going to do it in a very different way. And that's going to be Steve, Kerr cha- Steve Kerr's challenge, is to figure out, okay, generally speaking, this is how I want to play. Ball movement, having a lot of long wings, versatility, blah, blah, blah. But it'll also be a challenge for him not to expect to do the same thing over and over and over again and kind of just repeat the formula. He's going to have to adjust with his player's skill set, and Andrew Wiggins is going to you know, be a big part of that. It's been fascinating to see just the national reaction to this trade because I don't think I've seen a trade in a while that was so polarizing. Um, it's been it's run the gamut from people who I respect, people whose opinions I respect. You know, guys like uh, Tom Haverstrow and um, you know you you name it. Everyone has had a take, and some people have have thought that this was a great trade for both teams and other people have really specifically gone hard on the Warriors. And I think a lot of that is because a lot of, a lot of writers specifically have almost an animus or, or just a borderline hatred for Andrew Wiggins as a basketball player. And I think that people are having a hard time really stepping back and judging this trade for what it is and and the fit and how the, all these pieces can work together. And they're just focusing on the fact that they don't like Andrew Wiggins as a basketball player. And they're thinking Andrew Wiggins is not as good as D'Angelo. How could the Warriors do this? Are they dumb? 
What do you? What's your response uh, to that? Look, I no, I think there's like this is kind of a meh trade if we're being honest. Like I, I think that the D'Angelo Russell thing probably didn't work out value wise as this front office thought. Um, but to get Andrew Wiggins back, there's significant risk, right? I mean, you could trade D'Angelo Russell pretty easily. We saw we saw that he was wanted by the Timberwolves and the Knicks and stuff. And the reason, by the way, that people aren't going hard on the Timberwolves for this trade. I mean, they're banking their entire future on the t- the duo of D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, which everybody knows is not good. Is not going to be good enough. To I mean, get let's you be to honest: the Timberwolves are going to be be bad regardless, and we and we so, all expect it, and so nobody cares. So you yeah. go in on the Warriors, right? Because the Warriors are obvious; they obviously have championship potential, and people don't want them to waste this next next half decade of Steph Curry's championship window. Uh, so I think that's why you see people generally going harder and being more critical of Golden State. It's just because we expect better of you, right? Like, right. we're not mad, we're just disappointed. And it's it's one of those things. And I think, honestly, this trade is pretty meh. Uh, do I, under, I, I understand the fit thing and all that, but it's really hard to trade a better, just an objectively better player for a significantly worse player who could be an albatross on your salary cap for until 2023. There is significant risk in that, and it's fine that you get a nice little draft pick in twenty twenty in twenty twenty one, but that may not be enough to offset that. It might not be enough. I mean, there is a world where this thing, this entire thing, craters, and that first round pick is not enough to even get off of Andrew Wiggins, the first round pick you just got back. I mean, there there's risk in this, right? And so the war. This is why it's such a big bet that the Warriors are taking. And look, they have consistently been smarter. It's actually interesting. I mean. They were the team that turned down Kevin Love from Minnesota to right. keep Clay Thompson. They at the bet time, on a lot Clay of people Thompson. thought that would have been a great trade. Everybody was saying you have to do it. Kevin Love was like was, universally yeah. considered a top five player. Clay Thompson was just a nice shooting guard. That's it. And they were like, "Nah, we're good. We'll take Clay." And they bet on themselves. They bet on their player, and it obviously worked out. Uh, this is sort of strangely enough, ironically enough, the opposite case where they had their own guy in D'Angelo Russell. They said, "You know what?" We'll take your guy and Andrew Wiggins and the draft pick. Thank you very much. We actually think that we could bet on we can make your guy even better than what he was, and we're not really sold on our guy very much within the fit of this team. So the Warriors have consistently gone with fit because I think Clay Thompson was a better fit than Kevin Love was. They've consistently gone with fit over talent at at times, and they're doing it again. But they they need to get the most out of this Andrew Wiggins guy because again they've never had to do this before. They've never had to do this. Before. I just can't believe we're in a world where the Warriors' future is depending on Andrew Wiggins. But that's where we're at, and it's going to be interesting to cover. Uh, just kind of hitting on a couple other notes here. Obviously, everyone's talking about the Andrew Wiggins trade, but there's so many ramifications from all this because the day before we were in Brooklyn, and and minutes before tip off, they. They tell the team that they're trading Glenn Robinson the third and and Alec Burks. We later find out that it's to Philadelphia, so they have to go play that game. Obviously, get blown out by forty one because they weren't mentally ready to play that game. So after that and the Wiggins trade, they're left with only nine guys on the fifteen man roster, not counting the two way contract guys. As as you know, they they have to have at least fourteen. You can go a two week period with with down to 11 so they immediately ended up converting the two-way contracts of Marquise Chris and Kai Bowman to multi-year uh, multi-year standard deals and then they also went out and got Zach Norville Jr. on a 10-day contract he's a former two-way contract player with the Lakers uh, a rookie out of Gonzaga and then they got uh, and then they signed Juan Toscano Anderson who 
you guys might remember from preseason with the Warriors, he's he's been down in Santa Cruz, a nice kind of instant energy, small forward out of East Oakland. So kind of a cool little story there. He'll probably just finish out the season and then move on with his career. But all this just kind of reinforces this team is going to be really freaking bad <laughs> the rest of the season. Uh, they have Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and a bunch of spare parts. Yeah, um, it'll be an interesting information gathering stage again for the rest of the year. I mean, what do you? It, it's cool that you're able to convert Marquise and uh, Marquise Chris and Kai Bowman to the regular roster, and it just sort of seems like okay. Ever since last summer, when Bob Myers quote unquote built this roster on the fly, he's still rebuilding this roster on the fly, and it just reinforces to me that they're just trying to fast forward into the next phase. Uh, of the Warriors, which is what they believe a, a contending team in the Western Conference. How many how many games does this team win? They're at twelve right now. the 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 worst team in Warriors history, the two thousand two thousand one Warriors won seventeen games. I'll put that as the over under. Do they top that or no? I'm gonna go push. I think they just get right there, right at seventeen. That's a, a cop out. No, it's not. That's a bold prediction. All Over right. under could be anything. I I think they go right at seventeen. I think they're gonna hit right. Se- I think they're gonna hit it. I do think another, I guess you could say positive from today is that uh, even with Steph coming back next month, they've kind of ensured that they're not gonna win many more games because I know there was some concern of, hey, Steph's gonna help us win some more games, and then are we not gonna be able to? you know, be in the bottom three records to potentially have a 14% chance at that number one pick. So Warriors fans, rest assured, uh, I can almost guarantee you the Warriors will be one of the worst teams in the, one of the three worst teams in the NBA. But you know what? Maybe they'll be good next year. And uh, today, today, if that's that, if that's the case, today went a long way into determining that there's never a dull day on this beat, even when they're the worst team in the NBA. Wes, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a chaotic day. It's been a chaotic week. I mean, this week started with the Kobe news and, and end with this. It's just been so many highs and lows. But uh, we're back in the Bay, and we're going to have you locked and loaded on our at our respective websites. And, uh, you know, w- w- just to remind our, our listeners real quick where they can find you and where they can where they can listen to your stuff. They can find me finally in San Francisco. I'm glad to be back. Uh, follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg writing over at themercurynews.com. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.